Wow. Isn't that beautiful? Amen. Proud to be an American. How many notice the younger guys up front singing today? You appreciate that? All this group spent out quite a bit of time getting ready. And uh, so a lot of effort, a lot of sacrifice, a lot of rehearsal nights and uh, moments to really make that happen today for God and for you. And we're grateful to, to be able to do that. And we're so thankful. Our team uh, from, uh, you know, the music division, cooperated with the youth division, uh, with the creative arts division, with the tech division, uh, with the worship division, all of them working together to, to make the day happen by the grace of God. The message today has to do with uh, acknowledging the covenant with which God has given us. As a nation, we are blessed beyond our wildest imagination. The things that we cherish and that we have appreciated through the years in our history, it seems today that it's being attacked in a very subtle way, and in some places not so subtle, trying to, trying to determine, hey, the will, my personal will, my personal choice trumps the discipline of the whole. And we know that we all have personal choice. Even God gave us a choice, choose you this day, whom you're going to serve. But you see, my will should never trump what God's will is according to the Word of God. Amen? And so we know is today as we talk about the covenant and the children of Israel and, and what they, the covenant relationship that they had, so the message is keep God's covenant. Freedom is a gift from God. You believe that? It's a gift from God. We know that that gift came in, in a wonderful story that we can read in our history. Theodore Roosevelt, the 26th president of the United States, this is what he said. The United States was founded on the principles of Christianity. What do you say? Okay, you believe that? On the basis of Christianity. All right, he also noted everything man, when he thinks, realizes that the teaching of the Bible are so interwoven and entwined in our whole civic and social life that it would be literally, and I don't mean figuratively, he says, but literally impossible for us to figure what that loss would be if these teachings were removed. If the teachings of the Bible were not regarded as truth in our nation, the president, Roosevelt, said, I hate to think what it would be like if we didn't honor God's word. Oh, but political correctness is going to stand up and just say, absolutely not. He says, we would lose all the standards by which we now judge both public and private morals. Well, morality is whatever you believe that it is. All the standards toward which we, with more or less resolution, strive to raise ourselves. There is a right and there is a wrong. You believe that? 
then what is the basis of right and wrong? Is it the Declaration of Independence? No. Is it what you choose, an individual with free choice here in America? No. What they're saying, what he's saying, is right and wrong has a foundation. And that foundation is this book. It's this book. But have you noticed today that in our country, there are those that would like to say right and wrong is not based on a book. It's not based on the Bible. There are many other religions in the world today that it should be the basis of that religion. But that's not what America was founded on. As we read a moment ago, President Roosevelt said, based on Christianity. And we believe that by the grace of the living God. So we have a covenant relationship. Now the children of Israel, I want to give you a little parallel. They, uh, they, were, uh, they were chosen by God. They spent 40 years in the wilderness and trying to figure out where the land of promise was. And so they headed in that direction. It took them 40 years to get there. It could have been a whole lot shorter, but they were hard-headed. Anybody here know of a hard-headed person? All right, how about a stubborn person? How many of them are seated, seated close to you right now? Yes, we know. And they were receiving instruction from one voice. That voice was Moses. God chose Moses to speak directly to his children. And so here's the message in our text today that he gave to Moses to tell the people. Number one, he said, you were chosen for a purpose. And, and number two, he said, remember the promise of the covenant that I gave to Abraham, which now comes through Moses, who's been your leader for all these years. And number three, let me share with you what will happen if you lose focus of that covenant. Let, let me say this to, the, to parents. Don't promise your kids some type of retribution that will take place if they do what you told them not to do again. And when they do it and you don't follow through with what you told them, it would happen. The minute that you do that, you lose credibility and you, you lose the edge to be able to give wisdom to your child. And how many of you know that wisdom doesn't often start here? It starts here. How many remember the words, I'm going to whip you? Anybody? Y'all, come on now. Come on. Come on. How many remember the words, you know, which is not like whipping, but whipping turn, I'm going to spank you. How many of you, your parents had a spoon or a paddle or some instrument? With our house, I had a pair of sandals. I wear a size 11 but the sandal bottom was used tires. It was a tire tread. And it was flexible. Tim, do you happen to remember? <laughs> That's why today he hates tires. So as you understand, you got to remember the covenant. Now, here we are in America today. And you just turn on the news. Read Newsweek or any of them, 
And here's what you're going to find. There is a, a part of society that believe that they're going to be the controlling part and they're doing a good job that says, hey, don't pay any attention to that. There are too many other things to base your opinion on. And not only that, who say um, America needs to recognize the possibility of having socialism as a part of its core. Now, now let me say this to you. I want to be sure that I'm clear and it's on tape and sent out to thousands. Socialism has no place in the United States of America. That is not good. Not good. Out. Done. Nada. No place. Why? It will lead to oppression. It will lead for the lack of democracy. And it will drive you down a hole that you will never come out of and we will never come out of as a nation. That's why we fight for the liberty and justice for all. And we base everything that we do on this word. And that's why the church is the lighthouse in darkness to declare this truth. Y'all keep it up and I'm going to get worked up here in a minute. George Bush said in April 14th of 2004, George W. At a news conference, he said, um, I, I also have this belief, a strong belief that freedom is not this country's gift to the world. He said, freedom is the almighty's gift to every man and woman in the world, that any freedom comes from Almighty God, but God chose the United States of America to express the manifestation of what a free democracy and what freedom looks like. And our symbols are the American flag. Our symbol is the institution of the Declaration of, the of Independence. And our motto is, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. And we declare it is in God we trust. And we are not ashamed of those parts of our lives. So he said, you're chosen, Patrick Henry said. I've got it so you can see it on the screen. Get ready to help me out. He said, it cannot be emphasized too strongly or too often that this great nation was founded not by what? But by, but by what? Christians, not on religions, but on the what? Gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. He said, I have now given everything I own to my children. He said, there is one more thing I wish I could give them, and that is Christ. Because if they have everything I give them and don't have Christ, what do they have left? Nothing. Nothing. Every time you see a Christian senator, congressman, world leader that talks about prayer, that talks about democracy, that talks about God, pray for them. 
Because I promise you, once they're off in front of the camera, behind the camera, they will get shot at, ridiculed, and everything else because they stood for what principles of the Word of God and what this nation was built upon. Number one, you're chosen for a purpose. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are chosen for a purpose. That was, that was quiet. Chosen. How are you doing up there, balcony? Everybody good? Chosen for a purpose. Chosen for a purpose. Justin Hawks, I talked to him yesterday and his wife, Tina. He said, Pastor, we'll be listening tomorrow morning that July 4th message. He's a truck driver. He said, we'll be in Delaware by then. He said, I, I want to hear that message. So we salute you, Justin. But you're chosen for a purpose. All right, let me, let me give you a step here. Nobody is here by accident. And you... When you were born was not an accident. Uh, let me just say it again. You were not an accident. Well, I want you to know my brother told me that I was. Tell him to shut up. <laughs> Nicely. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Because here's what we know. That book says that the giver of life is our great creator, almighty God. And he has yet to make a mistake. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're not a mistake. You are a purpose from God. Come on now. So let's read about it. Deuteronomy 7 verse 6, talking to these children. For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the peoples on the faith of the earth to be his people. His treasure possession. The Lord did not set his affection on you and choose you because you were more numerous than other people's. Oh no. For you were the fewest of all people. And God said, I laid my hand on you. Do you know how much the Church of England believed that we would survive as a nation? When those early leaders came over and said, well, here we are. Do you know how much they thought that we would survive? Do you know how much that freedom they think that freedom would last? Do you understand that? Do you know that Paul Revere riding on that four-wheel drive? <laughs> running through the streets? Do you know how much hope he had when he looked and said, Hey, look out. We're about to be challenged. But you know what? That which God starts, God completes. If he's got one person who says, I know who I am. I know that I was chosen. And I'm going to function out of this book. I'm going to be a born again believer. And I'm going to be a Christian. And I'm going to be a proud American of what God has done in my life. And I will tell the world. I will not be ashamed. The Mayflower Compact. In 1620, in its covenant, used these words a lot in the presence of God or in the name of God, amen, or by the grace of God, have I undertaken for the glory of God and advancement of the Christian faith. That's the Mayflower Compact. Now, we had a great move of God initially back in 1639. I find this humorous. In other words, a woman, Anne Hutchinson, started the very first 
Baptist church. I find it amusing that the Baptists hardly recognize women being called into ministry until not too long ago that an actual woman started the Baptist church to begin with. God bless the women. 1727, Jonathan Edwards, a Yale graduate. That's not a lock graduate. That's an institution graduate preached his fiery sermon entitled what? Yeah. Sinners in the hands of an angry God. And you know when that happened? It says thousands were convicted by the Holy Spirit and came to faith in Jesus Christ. 1750, 30 to 4,000 people got saved out of a population of 300,000 in New England. And if you say 30,000 of 300,000, what percentage is that? What did you say? Correct, 10%. Not only that, 1780, Churches were going 500 to 800%. I mean, just exploding. People getting in to worship. If a church is running 100 and they grow by 800%, what is the size of that church growing to 800%? What would it be? Thank you so much. Where are you at? God bless you. You must have graduated. 800 we ended up, but they grew 500 to 800%. And Yale announced an institution of higher learning. Announced what? Yeah. What'd they say? Was it King James? Probably. <laughs> but hey, they decided this is the word of God. But long before they decided, God said, this is the word of God. Come on, y'all, help me out this morning. It is the word of God. This is a guide and it is life that we must have in our own home, in our own life, and in our nation today. Well, Billy Sunday in 1910 preached with a backward vocabulary. In other words, you know what that means? He had a lot of yard talk. Yet thousands, here it is, ran to the altars. And his revivals were called civic cleanups. Do you know what? He preached that you're not joining an institution. He preached that you're not just deciding to be signed into the membership. Here's what he preached. Repent and get right with God. And when true repentance take place, how many of you don't know... <coughs> That change is automatic. And when a person says, I've been born again and there is no change, let me tell you, go for a second dip, my friend, because when you get saved, you will change and civic cleanups were a part of that. In 1901, God said, I wanna to add to all these salvations a Pentecostal fire that fell in Topeka, Kansas. 1906, the Azusa Street Revival hit the West Coast and it was founded, is founded by George Parham and William Seymour, both African-Americans who heard the word of God. But they not only heard the word of God, 
my friend, they stayed and they prayed. And that little prayer meeting continued to grow and God blew upon them. They were the down and under of society as it was known then. But when the Holy Spirit came, God began to anoint them and began to anoint those that began to come. And he reached into the marble and ivory towers of law offices and pulled lawyers in and in the ivory towers of doctors and pulled them in and the highest of institution so that everybody that came in was on the same ground at the feet of Jesus Christ and God gave them a mighty revival that's still happening today. And churches were born. We, as an assembly of God church, were born out of that environment. Dima Shikarian, full gospel businessman, started in 1953. Fellowship was born and founded by a lay person who would have ever thought it, not a card-carrying credential minister, but someone who found a purpose and said, I'm going to fulfill that purpose. Number two, we're favored with a promise. I saw Matt Cruz on Facebook. Is he here? Matt here, you're here. Where's he at? Oh, there you are. Saw him on Facebook yesterday. Finally got him on his knees. He's our young, young adult pastor. Career, is that correct? Is that correct? Saw him on his knees yesterday. Over at Lake Parker Park, is that right? Now, he's not a fair weather. I'm going to propose to you person. He said, rain, shine, sleet, or hell. I'm doing this. I saw him on Facebook on one knee, looking up at his honey, <laughs> saying, I'm not much. But all that I am, I pledge to you, and I'm asking you here and now, would you marry me? That was just yesterday. Would you marry me? She looked down at him. She looked down at him and took her hand and just over his hair. She said, you look good from down there. She says, may I pray? She must have said a long prayer because he was on his knees a long time. And finally she said, yes, I will marry you. He made, he didn't give her a promise ring. He gave her the granddaddy ring that I'm checking how much he makes here at Victory to afford a ring like that. Give her a ring and said, I promise. Now I'm going to ask her, do you believe that promise is real? She believes it's real. Was you, were you serious when you made the promise? You were. And based on your word, I promise you. I'm going to marry you, right? 
Now listen. Nothing for the majority of nothing would have stood in his way yesterday from getting on his knees and proposing to that young lady. Is your daddy here this morning? Your dad? Yeah. Diaz? Over there? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Listen carefully, friend. God's made a promise to you. And it's not a promise by contract. Do you know what would wipe that promise away? If Matt died, he's not. But if he died, that promise is over. But you know what happened? Jesus made a promise. And when he died, he solidified it and said, even after I die, I'm still alive. Amen. Come on. Amen. 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 Sharon and I were talking, we were talking yesterday. I said, you know what? I got a lot of friends that's dead. I got Randy Valamont that's dead, Holder Buntain that died day before yesterday, I guess. Uh, my mom just died. I, I have friends, uh, Rocky Scott, I went to high school and college with. He's dead. Some others uh, uh, died recently, because David Cribs. And I said, you know what? All these people are dead. And then it hit me and I said, but you know what? Jesus is still alive. Hallelujah. All my friends are dying, but I've got a savior. He's still alive. Hallelujah. And no matter what you might see on the news as it relates to America, and no matter how much those who want socialism may try, this nation was faced upon the word of the living God. And he planted you and he planted me and he planted his church and said, keep it alive make the promise of God and I will follow you and give you blessing and give you favor. That thrust of preaching was bought to you by half an Egg McMuffin this morning. <laughs> Favored with promise number two. But it was because the Lord loved you and kept the truth he swore to your forefathers that he brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the land of slavery, from the power of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. Say amen. amen. He is a faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations. You know what? A thousand generations of those who, what? Love him, love him, and keep his commands. So God favored America when we were born. His hand has been upon our nation. He delivered us from religion out of the church of England. And God centered his churches around the landscape of America that says, keep preaching the good news. Now here's what will happen. I'll get some emails from this message, but I'm going to tell you something. It's high time that the church of America started preaching the messages like we are preaching here at Victory and let the world know we are not watering down that which God has gifted us with. I have a grandson in the military. Some of you have children and men in the military. 
I don't want them to be in the military and go out to battle if we have to go to battle again and not have the support of America and not have the support of the judicial system or the president or the vice president or a nation. I want them to go with the confidence and say, I'm here fighting for my country to maintain the freedom that others have given. 2.8 million since the Revolutionary War have stood strong and stood strong. In Congress, July 4th, 1776, it was the unanimous declaration of the 13 United States of America. And here it is, when in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and of nature's God entitled them, a decent respect of the opinions of mankind require that they should declare the cause which impelled them into the separation. And then these words, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal and they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that was a God moment. You talk about making the devil mad when that document was created, it, it certainly did. What is saying? God's gift, God is faithful, and God will keep his covenant. So here we are as a nation today, challenged more, more than any other time. There's a book that I'm in the process of reading. I, I would say you, if you choose to get it, it's called Dark Agenda. It's by David Horowitz. It, uh, it is a hair-raising book and talks about the plans and talks about policies that are, that are already on the burner, on the stove to try to be enacted in order to take the process of America as we know it and freedom upon the word of God to take that away. During the 1960s, there was a complete cultural shift. How many of you were hippies in the 60s? How many knew a hippie? How many had a Volkswagen in the 60s or a Volkswagen bus? I had a Volkswagen. But listen, a cultural change took place. A cultural change took place. Now listen. Every cultural shift often is not necessarily manifested at the moment that shift takes place. But later on down the line, that shift is manifested in behavior of an organization, of a nation, or, and of a family. So in the 60s, that shift took place. People thought that if there were any rules at all, there was no freedom. Get rid of all the rules. Uh, true freedom meant no rules at all. No laws, 
No morals, no community standards, just true freedom. And this led to free love, free drugs, free sex, free everything. And the phrase was born, if it feels good, do it. It became the war cry of the times. Well, where did that philosophy lead us? It has led us to no respect for the flag, no respect of the national anthem. It has led us no respect for law enforcement, no respect for authority, no respect for the institution of the church, no respect for an individual's commitment to being a Christian, and we are feeling that manifestation here today. But listen, here's what the Bible says in Deuteronomy 7, 12. If you pay attention to the laws and are careful to follow them, then the Lord your God will keep his covenant of love with you as he swore to your forefathers. We need God's favor, and God's favor comes through obeying his commands. Finally, a fair warning. He says it to the people of Israel. He says it to us. Deuteronomy 7.10. But those who hate him, he will repay to their face by destruction. He will not be slow to repay to their face those who hate him. Hate is disobedience in action. God wanted his people not to lose the covenant because all the favor of God came out of the covenant. Christian apologist and author Francis Schaeffer said, it's there for you to see it. Here's the great evangelical disaster. The failure of the evangelical world to stand for truth as truth. There is only one word for them, namely, accommodation. I hear more and more, church, take a stand for what you believe. Here's what often happens. The negative, the haters, the naysayers, the antichrist spirit are not afraid to take their stand. They are not afraid to tell you what they believe. They're not afraid to castigate you. They're not afraid to be seen in the streets acting like animals to be able to promote their behavior and their belief. And here's what Francis Schaeffer saying, church, you know the truth. Don't be, don't be just dancing through the tulips. Make up your mind to declare what you believe. And that day is now that the church must stand and say, no longer will we be pushed back. No longer will we allow the loud voice to be the influential voice. We are the church of Jesus Christ. How do we start? We start on our knees and we pray and we believe. And then in the midst of challenge, we say, hey, I'm here to tell you, this is what I believe according to the word of God. <coughs> when we do that, 
God will help us. A fair warning. We understand that. And then he says, don't forget, how many of you are pretty well fed? May I, may I see your hand? I'm assuming that those of you didn't raise your hand, you're not well fed. <coughs> How many's had fried chicken lately? Go and get them, it's all right. How many's had french fries lately? How many's had barbecue ribs in the next couple of days? How many's had some corn on cob? Mm -hmm. How many's had mashed potatoes or gravy or rice? Or biscuits, or McDonald's, <laughs> or ice cream. You've had that, you're well fed. The benefits that we enjoy today, listen. The manifestation of the Antichrist spirit that is alive in our world today has yet, has yet to be manifested like it will be in the near future. And the only way to stop that, we're not afraid of that, is to remember the covenant and stand strong in our belief system. And so this is what the writer in Deuteronomy says, Deuteronomy 8, verse number 10. When you have eaten and are satisfied Praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Somebody say amen. amen. America's pretty good. He says, be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God failing to observe his commands. His laws and his decrees that I am giving you this day. And so we've heard we're chosen for a purpose we're heard that we don't take that for granted and he says if you do you will suffer the consequences I want my grandkids and my great grandkids to enjoy the freedom and the favor that I have enjoyed as a 55 year old person You didn't have to laugh so loud. <laughs> I don't want them to wake up and have to face socialism. I don't want them to have to live in a culture where the church is irrelevant and almost non-existent. I, I don't want them to live in a culture when the leadership of America is dictated by a particular party as opposed to the nation of the people. I don't want them to wake up and have to walk through circumstances that they don't know right from wrong. 
I have been to Russia. I've been in communistic countries. I've stood there as they came on the train with machine guns on their shoulders, checking your stuff at will. I don't want that. I want America. I want to say thank God for America. I don't want to enjoy what I've enjoyed in the past, and I want it for the future. But I must play a role as a minister of the gospel and to tell this congregation and the thousands listening online, if we don't wake up, it will be taken away from us in a very subtle way. Would you stand? Come on, stand up on your feet. There you go. Father God, I thank you today for the greatest church in all of America. Well, some might challenge that. Well, I don't care. This is the church where I'm at, and I think they're the greatest church in America. I thank you for the abundance of your grace to this church. I thank you that these people are not afraid to be able to declare the truth. They're not afraid to walk in righteousness. They're not afraid to stand up and declare that they're proud to be an American. They're not afraid, God, to be able to go to prayer and believe that their prayer changes things. I pray today for the United States of America, for our president, vice president, for all branches of government. And God, I pray that your Holy Spirit might give understanding and might give wisdom. I just believe that when I pray, you answer prayer. And I believe that nothing is impossible to you. I pray for our military personnel. Who knows, as quickly as that building plunged into the ground the other day, we could be led to another war. Moms and dads and grandparents would grip the horns of the altar, praying for their young person who's in the military headed to battle. That could happen in a moment's eye. But here's what we know. Today, we have the privilege to celebrate our independence. We have the privilege to be here in church. We have the privilege to be able to sing patriotic songs. And we're going to do our best to see that that continues. So I pray you would bless America as, America as we continue to drive forward sharing the gospel of Christ. We are not ashamed of the gospel I pray for men and women who might be here or those that might be listening online whose heart, they haven't had a behavioral change and yet they say, I'm a Christian because they may, may have shaken the preacher's hand or even whispered a prayer. But God, if there's no change and no discipline, not much has happened. So God, here's what we know. Redemption means change. True redemption says, hey, I, I changed. My life is different. God, I pray by the power of the Holy Spirit, you would speak to all of us and let us draw closer to you. And we, we just praise these things. You might be here and you're not right with Jesus. It just might be the way it is for real. And you want to get it right. Right now, you want to get it right. I'm going to ask everybody here to let's repeat this prayer in unison. Can we do that? Here we go. Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father. I thank you for Jesus. Thank you for Jesus. Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for dying for me. I confess my sins. I confess my sins. I believe by faith. I believe by that faith. I am now redeemed. That I am now redeemed. Because in my heart. Because in my heart. I have confessed. I have confessed. I will follow you. I will 
And I believe by faith. My life will be different. My life will be different. I believe this. I believe this. in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. You need prayer. You need prayer for someone. I felt led of the Holy Spirit to say that. You need prayer for some relationship. Listen, God is able. And this altar represents a place of reckoning. It's a place where we come and we say, I lay it on the altar. I put it right there. And when you do, as you are obedient to God, God will bring to pass the miracle. Don't we believe that? So they're going to sing worship. You're welcome to be reseated and worship or you're welcome to slip out and do whatever you're going to do. We're going to believe and trust for a great 4th of July for all of you and God's protection. But we're also going to keep worshiping a little bit and give an opportunity for those who need prayer to come now. I love you, everybody. God bless you and God bless America. Give the Lord a hand clap. Would you do that? God bless you, everybody.